Oh, snap. Look at that. Brooklyn Games has a Kickstarter for Zine Quest of Worldlings. Tales of Tiny Gods. I'm definitely... Oh, it's not live yet. I gotta wait till Tuesday? Oh, I'm definitely gonna be back. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined today by my returning guest, Brian Colon, the founder of Creature Curation. And you have something going on with Zine Quest this month? Yes, I do. I have a game called Over the Troll Bridge. It's a game that uh, uses the Together We Go system, uh, which is a very simple D20 and D6 system uh, that encourages all the people around the table to contribute to the narrative aspect of the game and as granting uh, lore as loot. And I've been developing it with my kids who are both eight, who are eight and 12. Uh, the idea is that everybody plays a troll <laughs> and these trolls live on this magic on magic city, a giant floating metropolis above a sea of lava. And the trolls, they have to go out to these magical lands going across bridges that only last for a certain number of, basically like turns or rounds. Like if you go across a metal bridge, you can explore up to eight areas in a new world and bring back loot. And the loot has to get melted down in the forge of the city to keep the city afloat. Like your goal is as your troop of trolls is to go back, get loot and keep the city floating. I've got a question about these trolls. Yes. Are these like the nasty kill them with fire acid trolls or are these like the little trolls that you had with the hair growing up with the little it's, gem in the belly or <laughs> it's, it's really like up to whoever plays it we have a couple of four main um archetypes we have a we have a rock troll we have a metal troll a stone troll and a rope troll and each of the no rock metal oh no wood rock wood metal rope and it's they are they make those types of bridges particularly or at least their ancestors did and they have different abilities based on the troll but because they go to all these different worlds and all these different multiverses and dimensions and stuff it brings back all this culture from other places so you may see somebody that's wearing like a medieval suit of armor with a football helmet and a <laughs> slingshot, and it's just a mishmash. So really, whatever the players bring to the table, as far as their imagination, really goes. That's great. That's great. That's great. So I've played with my kids before. Um, <laughs> I can't say that they stuck with it. By the time they were teenagers, my son had very little interest to begin with. And my daughter, she took a liking to it in the beginning, but it's not cool. So neither one of them play. So I'm curious, how has been running with your kids, 8 and 12, you say? Yes. Uh, tell me it, some about that. <laughs> it's been really good, mainly because, um, especially with being the, the pandemic, we were very sheltered, and we've been playing at a local like uh, coffee, slash, coffee bar slash restaurant at 4 a.m. Roasters, and we have a group that rotates. Like Some kids can come one week, and because it's summertime, they may be at camp the following week. And because this is very episodic in play and nature, they go to they go on a quest and they come back and so it's being able to mix up the kids and the kids each of the kids brings different things to the story and what they perceive a role playing game as because some people have played D and D some people have played a couple of things uh, and then another kid and their dad this is the first RPG they've ever played even though they know of them so and I have a couple of parents that can that are playing as well as they rotate in and out so it's been good because one of the things is like 
when people, when the players enter into a space, a lot of times I'll ask them to describe a scent or a sound or a visual that they see so that they're really building out the adventure that we're all playing together as opposed to me just dictating what happens. Now, you've been on here before. Yes. And and you, could you tell us, for those of the, we have, we picked up a lot of new listeners since then. <laughs> yeah, go back and listen. Go back and listen if you haven't heard that one. But could you give the listeners a bit of an idea of some of the work that you've done previously? Sure, absolutely. On the last episode, we mainly focused on Vast Grim, which is a sci-fi horror hack of Merkbork. And it is finally just about to ship to our backers, our GameFound backers right now. Um, it's hitting ports. It's about to hit California. The Canadian backers are getting theirs. The EU backers are about to get them. And the rest of the world is already starting to ship. So I make weird monster sculptures. I started out doing fantasy like taxidermy of creatures of my own imagination, where I did a campaign setting and bestiary for that. But then I moved into a weirder, creepier uh, sci-fi realm after playing Merkborg. And so that's, mm-hmm. uh, and for that, I'm also the, uh, the VP of RPG development at Infinite Black. So I developed that while as, as part of uh, working with, with them. And then I also am working on some other role-playing game stuff that we can't really talk about yet uh, through Infinite Black. All right, so could you tell us a little bit more about Infinite Black? I'm curious to know a bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, Infinite Black was founded uh, by my friend, friend David LaRocca, and we had actually met at Gen Con, I want to say like back in 2016, because we were both artists in the Artist Alley, and we were waiting to get inside one morning because you can get in like an hour early to set up your booth and make sure everything looks pretty. And I was like, hey, you ever want to... Uh, we started talking, and I found out he's in Alabama and I'm in Georgia, and I was like, if you ever want to commute to a show, you know, uh, let me know. And so we ended up driving to Kansas City together later that year. And so our friendship developed and we're roommates at a bunch of shows. And then he started needing design work, additional design work, because like it was just overflow. And because I have a print and web design background, I started helping with some of that. But he got his start with Elder Dice, which are Lovecraftian mythos uh, dice. And like he was, a, he was a horror illustrator and he had this idea. It was one of the early dice kickstarters um and it just hit big and there's been four elder dice campaigns since then there's been a dice campaign for one-up dice which is a retro 80s video game themed dice and that's really where the foundation of the company started but now you know that's the stuff that that brings people in but we really have a love for role-playing games and that's what we want to push a lot more towards and getting more content out there and creating places and things that people can play in with the kickstarter Mm-hmm. that you currently got going on what is it we're looking at and we're back in like like could you tell us a bit about what it is that we're gonna we're gonna see come out there sure absolutely it's a full color it's really brightly illustrated zine it's starts at 24 pages we i also have care pad sheets that have character sheets that are full color character sheets i have a quest record tear sheets because one of the things that i have people play after after they're done, they're done playing the session you write down what happened on the quest, who you may have run into, loot that you brought back to kind of help. It helps them, the players, get more involved and invested in contributing each episode that they play. We also have some gaming group bundles that has multiple copies. And there's some stretch goals that, that will be hopefully unlocked, adding more content to the book and adding more adventures that, as additional stretch goals. I wanted to keep it really simple. I'm also, this is the first one that I'm printing locally like five minutes down the street from me, uh, the University of West Georgia has a full printing facility there that anybody can can use. And I ordered uh, 
play play test editions of the book. And a week later, they were done and they were ready and they <laughs> look fantastic. So nice. like I can just go pick them up, ship them out and turn this project around really quickly, which is exciting. That That is pretty exciting. So you said it's episodic and, and I'm assuming like when I go in and play a lot of times, I'll be honest, like I play a very old game that I've been playing for a long time, most of the time or some variation. Sure. Of. We have long campaigns and we don't get through an entire adventure within a week. I take my time and let my players explore and, and I let things slowly unravel. So I'm curious to know what sort of adventures we'd be looking at that may, may be prepared or intended for this. And, and could you sure. expand on some of that? Well, part of the reason that it is episodic is that depending on the type of bridge that you go across into the other realm, the other world, you're, you only have so much area that you can explore. So you may go across a rope bridge that you only can explore four areas. Now, if it's terrain, it might be four different, like the woods, the river, this sort of thing. Or it could be a dungeon where it's like, you've got four rooms. And if you go to that fifth room, that bridge is already starting to disappear. Oh, no. Magic is weak there and you may get stuck there. We're already exploring advanced, an advanced version of this rule set where as you level up and you become different your trolls abilities get higher you can then start to create bridges so you may get stuck in one world but then you may try and go like i really liked sliders when i was younger the tv show just yeah. going into different versions of the same reality <laughs> so there's that but also the city itself is made of 12 districts and those districts are ever shifting and each time you go into one of the districts you roll to see which adjective that district now has and there's story prompts and questions that the GM would then, or, or the referee would ask the players to help kind of describe what it is. Because when you go to a different world, the time that passes there isn't the same time that passes in Magic City. So you may leave Tower Town and it could be all bright and shiny and sparkling. You could come back and it's overgrown with vines and everything is ominous and things like that. So the, the idea that the longer story campaigns happen within Magic City and not necessarily while you're away until you get to higher levels. That, excellent. That sounds that sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like it almost reminds me of like a planar type campaign where you got like totally <laughs> you're going to the different the different planes of existence and all like that. So what is there like a like a base city that this all starts at, I take it, like like Sigil or something like that, where all the trolls, can you tell us yeah. a bit about that? So the setting, yeah, I yeah. guess? So, so the, the main city that you start in Magic City, like in the very center is the Forge, and that stays constant. That's always there because that's where you bring your loot to melt things down to keep it afloat. The other 12 districts, there's eight of them that are described, but you roll to see where they get placed in this like hex, basically. And there's four that are unnamed which allow, if you're running a campaign or a game, if you wander into this part of the city that has this district that hasn't been defined, then the players help decide what the other districts are that make up the city. Really trying to give agency to the, the players to really be more of the storytellers and not just the referee. Now, you're saying there's like, like when you get to this other place, there's like four hexes you can explore. As I like running the hex crawl type thing, but limiting it to four hexes is kind of, more manageable to do as a DM or as prepping the game. <laughs> right. And and a lot of that is, uh, for, for me, I think this lends itself to more off-the-cuff GMing as well, especially if you're relying on players. Like, uh, I ran a, an online game for uh, folks over at Nerdarchy, and one of the things they said, they like, right when we went in, they were like, we want it Western. So, like, as, we, as they went across the bridge, the first thing they saw 
I, I'd ask what people saw and they were like a, a cactus. And I was like, yeah, you see a cactus, but it's gigantic. It's like five stories tall and there's doors <laughs> on the outside and windows and trying to play off of all the people at the table and get each of their input contribute to what happens. It leads to a lens to a different style of, of G, GMing than a lot of prep work. Cause you kind of, if, if you do it this way, you kind of have to make things up on the fly, but there's also, I've done where I've done maps where it's okay. Here's a dungeon. We'll see which way they go. If they go across a metal bridge, they'll be able to explore more of it. Or if they just go across like a, a, a wood bridge, they definitely won't make it nearly as far. So uh, it, it seems to me that there's a, a certain vibe to this. And I may be wrong, but it almost reminds me of like a Saturday morning cartoon or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally into that. I got my friend Carrie Drake to do all the illustrations, most of the illustrations. I did some of the monsters in there, but it's got a very cartoony vibe and feel to it. And that's, you know, I, I want it to be anybody of all, I want it to be an all ages game. It's not tailored to kids, but it helps bring out creativity in children. And I think it'll also help bring out creativity in adults as well. That's, that's always good. I mean, that. I think most of us who are playing these games are, are, are kind of prone to that creativity side when we're sitting yes. at the table on the cuff. <laughs> That's great. So um, is there anything else we should know about 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 the game? Um, That you can download character sheets. You can you can go to Trolls and Bridges now and go ahead and download character sheets. Is that? Um, is oh, that trollsandbridges.com. And it'll redirect you to Creature Curation and the the page that it's on but down at the bottom of the page you can go ahead and download character sheets and the character sheets themselves have the basic rules on them you don't really need a whole lot to to run and play this game and uh, i want it to be accessible to as many people as possible yeah these these trolls are great looking they aren't quite the the jewel on the tummy but they are cute fellers (laughs) and there's some there's some uh some rougher looking ones and some of the metal ones definitely lean into the metal as like metal head type of uh aspect of of what they're what they're wearing and things <laughs> that's good i appreciate that that's a lot of fun you can you can really go crazy with your trolls eh? is yep. there if you're doing your troll creation like how much I, i'm curious like like how what is what is create character creation like when it comes oh, it's to that? super simple so because there's four archetypes you each of the each of the archetypes like the the uh, metal troll has four different backgrounds basically you pick one of them and then you have two points that you can spend in your your skills so you can and there's four of those so you can put either one point in two or two points in one and then for each point that you have in that skill you pick one of the abilities and that's really really it and then you you get equipment but the equipment is up to you because you can only really carry like 10 things so what you have you want to have it be something that can be used in the adventure that might be different than everybody else because you also want to be able to bring back loot. So what you carry really defines who you are more so than anything. So on the on the sheet that you have here the, for the metal troll, yep, there is uh, there's four different backgrounds. One is tough as nails. Mm-hmm. One is headbang. Use head as bonus attack. <laughs> <laughs> Those bring the noise, loud distracting sound. Enemies, uh, was it di? Is that differ negative one to? negative two to one round and then the other one slam dance attack two enemies close by in one round yes i like that and you can do you can do that once per per uh per day basically uh, j- free and like if you have an ability in something below 
depending on the levels you have it in, you can do that automatically without dice rolling uh, at least that many times per day. And then other than that, it's a D20 and the, the difficulty level changes based on what, what they're up against. I like that. That's a lot of fun. That's a pretty neat game there. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I want you know, I want it to be light and fun and easy to jump in and easy and fun to play more than anything. Well, we're about on time. Could you tell the listeners where they can find you online and where they can pick where they'll be able to back things and find what you're find the stuff sure. you've got out there? The, the fastest place to, to find anything that I'm doing is Linktree slash Brian colon. Uh, that's C-O-L-I-N. Uh, and Brian with an I, the wise are evil. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for coming back on. It's been good talking Thanks to you. Thanks for having me. It's been great talking to you. No doubt. No doubt. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. And as always, keep those dice rolling.